Welcome back to Income Insights, episode number two. Alongside me, once again, income founder and majority shareholder, Kimo Rittkönen. Kimo, good to see you. How are you doing today? Yeah, we're good. Um, good to see you, Danny. Happy to do the second episode. Yeah. Yeah, let's jump right into it. Um, I was thinking what we could discuss today. And um, so firstly, I would like to pick up again uh, two topics, which we have discussed also in the previous episode, um, which are Vivos on one side and ClickCash on the other side. So two lenders where we've seen some recent developments. So let's go a bit more into detail here. And afterwards, we can discuss some auto-invest uh, related things, which was requested also in the Telegram chat. And then towards the end, if we have some time, we can also uh, maybe do a small recap on 2023 and the performance of income, since obviously this is the last episode of uh, this year. I hope that sounds like a roughly good plan and a good agenda for today. Yeah, sounds good. All right, then um, maybe we start off with the recent announcement um, regarding the restructuring of the debt repayments from uh, ClickHash. Now, Income communicated that um, around or 5,000 euros are going to come in to investors' accounts now month by month, starting from December uh, until all the principal is repaid. Now, can you provide some context as far as how this decision evolved? Sure. Um, so, yes, the, the communication, just to clarify it, the idea there was that since there's been rather, how to say, infrequent payments from click cash, they paid, then we've communicated next month is coming, hasn't come, you know, and they've been struggling with a lot of issues on their end. Um, what we wanted to do with the communication and with the decision was basically reach a place where the investors would know that there's a schedule, it's being dealt with, and the money will come back. Um, looking at click cash cash flows, roughly 5,000 a month is something that can come in. Um, but looking at also how they failed some of the previous promises, we discussed with our main shareholders that uh, we can't continue also like this in towards the investors uh, because investors actually want answers. They want to have a at least some sort of a schedule. Um, and then came the thought that, okay, uh, let's rather do it this way, that we know that the 5,000 should be coming from click cash. If it doesn't come, if they happen to go bankrupt, whatever may be the, the case may be in the future, as, as you know, there's a lot of uncertainties, then income will step in and bridge the payment towards the investors up to that 5,000. Um, and yeah, really the logic there is that uh, that's one way of getting the investors paid down uh, from income funds if it's necessary. Uh, and while we then, in a way, take over the claim towards click cash as such. So the way we're booking it is that it's a, it's a bridge towards them that we pay down to the investors. Hmm. And yeah, that was the 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 kind of the shareholder decision, shareholder discussion. What we had at income and said, let's let's solve the issue now. It's been too long already, and that's what that's the best we could come up with. Hmm. Why five thousand euro? Well, we thought that we're looking at the at the book. It's around five thousand euros that's coming from there, um, from from the 
basically the pledged loan book what there is at the moment. So we thought that uh, that's probably the right sum also to bridge. So regardless what happens on that end, we'll step over and in a way bridge that cash flow towards the investors. Um, so yeah, it was just a matter of uh, of, of practicality in that sense. Hmm. Because I was thinking, okay, 5,000 euro, it sounds like, um, you know, at least some sort of a solution, but I also had like this immediate feeling of it's too low, it's too, too little of an amount to make really a difference, especially since, you know, if you just break it down uh, with the outstanding principle as of this day, this might be like two and a half years, you know, like following um, income and my, it may be, you know, a better idea to have a higher amount on a monthly basis if you can afford maybe also to bridge, you know, 10, 15,000 euro per month to get rid or get hold of this topic um, even earlier in time. So I don't know if that's maybe like something you were playing around with, you know, like contributing like a good amount from your side as well to also make sure like this topic doesn't take another two and a half years now on the back of, of the platform. Sure. I mean, we, we thought what's the right uh, right amount. Um, and then we decided that, and we do realize the fact that it's it's going to take quite a long time. But then again, um, every company has its own cash flows, has its own, um, you know, ability to pay cash out in that sense. Um, and one has to remind, remember also that this is the minimum. Um, the 5k so if click cash manages to collect more and send us more then obviously it is more but we thought okay the minimum they can deliver the minimum we see coming in from the book that's the amount that we cover without it actually hindering our own growth plans and 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 cash flows in a, in a significant matter hmm. and that's that's the number we settled then for but I do agree with you. It's a little bit on the long side, but uh, you know we work with what we can. I think the main thing here is that investors still now have a have a schedule, and they know that the money is coming towards them. So uh, I think those are the two results we wanted to achieve. Hmm. Let's look at two smaller details. Uh, will there be like a specific time of the month um, when uh, the funds are allocated to investors' accounts? And secondly. Um, will you also communicate like which company contributed in which parts to the repayment of the 5,000 euro? Yes, um, it should be around mid-December. Uh, obviously, if there's an indication that, okay, it's going to be the following week, we'll see if the money is coming. We'll give it reasonable time uh, to see if the money is actually coming from there before we bridge. But, uh, but regardless, within that month, we always do, will, will be breaching. Um, in terms of transparency, um, we have no problems with that. Actually, that was something we discussed internally with Steffi as well. And, and this will be updated on the blog. So then investors can see if any money came from ClickCash or was it fully income bridged. Um, yeah, we will be sharing that on the blog post that we have on, on, on the website. Hmm. Okay. Uh, to wrap up on click cash, uh, a little side topic maybe. Um, so in the future, I definitely want to have um, an episode where we go a bit deeper into regulation. Um, yeah. And one aspect here where we maybe can have a little a teaser already now is a conflict of interest because obviously it's well aware or investors should be aware. It was always openly communicated that you're an uh, equity investor on click cash yourself. 
And now comes along the topic of conflict of interest. Um, I was wondering what's your maybe general view on conflict of interest, you know, um, and also, you know, you don't have to be regulated to have a policy like this in place. You know, often, you know, regulation comes with uh, certain rules regarding conflict of interest. Now, since you're not regulated yet, would you consider maybe implementing a policy like this then also for the future? Because from the outside, you know, it always doesn't look too good always. when some strings yeah. are attached like so, this. It's it's a fair question. Uh, and just for those those listeners who are maybe not so familiar with the history of ClickCash, uh, yes, I was there or I am there an equity investor as well, early stage. Uh, it was it was founded by some of the people from one of the previous company. I knew the team as such. And uh, when they were raising their first round, I put in some, can't remember how much, but let's say 100, 200,000 euros uh, as, as part of my, let's call it startup investments that I've done in smaller amounts to different startups. Um, and then that was way before income actually even started. And then when income started they asked for a listing they said okay can we work we did the same due deal we did everything as as we would do with anyone else and we decided okay let's list them now and at that point also and on the website it was communicated that there is a shared equity interest in the company so nothing was hidden from that and uh, so that's the that's the background story of, of of how i ended up with an equity investment there uh, as a passive passive equity investor now going forward uh there's two elements of it one is like you said it's the policy itself should we have a policy of non conflicting interests or is it something that is pushed down by the regulators towards us i think yes to both um questions in that sense hmm. um not necessarily because if you look at it from the non regulator side there shouldn't probably there's no such need for it as long as there's not a, I would say, an element of control involved with the shareholding. Um, but uh, but even I know this, even these sort of uh, smaller equity investments, they always look bad because, like you said, then the investors will ask you, well, you're not, you don't want to sue yourself or you're too close to the company. So definitely, I think from that end, uh, we won't be listing despite regulator. Uh, we won't be listing any any related party uh, companies uh, in the future. More so, we will be looking also what is the size of the book that the company should have in order for not to encounter some sort of problems what we've had with them before. So we've revised our policy a little bit on that end. Uh, and then, of course, you have the regulatory issue. So if we are looking to get licensed, if we wish to get licensed, you know, next year, for example, then obviously this will be one of the key things that equity interest should not um, overlap. And, and, and I think it's already already printed in the crowdfunding directive on the EU level and pretty much everybody's following it on a national level. So I think that's something that will actually be a, you know, a clear cut decision that we will strictly work with third party um, loan companies. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks for those insights. Now then, let's switch to the to the second lender where we had some some recent news. Uh, Vivos Mexico, you know, like last time we spoke, you sounded pretty confident that the issue would be resolved uh, within the next two weeks. 
Now, obviously, we know the outcome, uh, at least at this point in time. Uh, what happened that this topic is still pending? Yes, so <clears throat> the background of, of, of Vivus or DFI Cyprus is uh we started scaling down the business with them if you remember we had the ideas that they would be listing direct from mexico and then essentially the book started dropping in itself already uh during that period or, or, or around that time they also started encountering bank problems mainly coming from their own bank's policy as, as was communicated to the investors as well uh, mainly coming from their look that they are not transferring funds to anywhere else except um, other regulated financial institutions, right? So they encountered bank problems with that. Yeah, we, we shared with the documentation, but obviously, I mean, the setup, what is income, how does it work, everything, but but they stick, stuck to their own internal policy in that sense. So just to, 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 to put the, 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 let's call it the record straight in that sense, when we started with them, the idea that we'll transfer, trans, transition direct to Mexican loans, their outstanding balance was around 2 million. Uh, it's now been six months, right, since that one, and money has been flowing back to investors. Quite recently, still relatively recently in October, there was around 500,000 coming from them as well. So now we're talking about the last 553,000, how to get that back home. Um, and they did a test transfer using some alternative side uh, transferring services, but they couldn't get that also working with their own bank. So the latest development there is that that we shared the communication also from them to our investors, where they said three to five days, they expect the problem to be solved very fast. Um, hopefully so. Um, I think from good from their end is, 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 you know, they've been paying down all the time significantly. Um, I don't think there's any foul play in there. And the management is very active in talking with us. And we've been very active in explaining to the bank also our, our business case. Um, so I expect it to be resolved. I don't have a very good timeline other than what they've communicated the three to five days. So let's hope that sticks. Um, if it doesn't stick, then we hope them to, to give us another one. But I'm still very confident that those funds are coming home uh, to the investors as they should. I see there's no, no, well, I've said no risk, but I, I wouldn't say I see any uh, red flags other than the issues that they've had with the transfers. Hmm. Obviously, this goes a long way back. The issues with the transfers with, you know, temporarily, it seems like there is some cash flow coming in. Um, has it always been the same issue? Because for me, it's, you know, from the outside looking at it, you know, you might understand, okay, maybe there is new policies in place, which hinder to transfer funds. Um, obviously, it has been very inconsistent in a way in the past. So I'm not sure if it has always been the same issue why eventually there is some funds coming through when you know why there is not at a certain time now the past weeks we're basically on hold where we're waiting for for a final solution um and why hasn't there been an early approach to let's say find alternative routes and ways to transfer the funds yeah i mean when when we for example when the first it just as an example how the banks work when there was an initial the first problems came 
Um, they were transferring us first funds totally normally, no problem. Then bank problems came. We gave them a whole stack of our documentation explaining what is the setup, how are the assignments working, all of that stuff, so that the bank would understand how, how the crowdfunding itself works. Um, they released all the payments after that while they are reviewing it. So from that end, it was really clear to us that this is the bank's internal policy as well. It's not an, you know, an AML KYC issue as such, because if it would be, then they wouldn't have released those um, those funds. When they re when they finalized the review, they said, no, we still think that, you know, crowdfunding this and that, um, and it would need to be like a financial institution, like another bank, essentially, where they transfer the funds. So that just shows a little bit of how the banks work. They... If it's their internal policy issues, they might release from the client funds for the period that they are reviewing, unless, of course, it's AML KYC related. In that case, it, everything is blocked uh, in, in today's world. Um, and then when they finalize the review, they close it. So that's just a good example of why it's been erratic, how the money has been coming in. Um, we've received some payments from them through different payment providers as well. Uh, which they've been testing. So they are really trying to figure out other solutions as well here. Hmm. But that's that's Just, that's what, what's causing the erratic. Uh, but I do understand how it looks. Um, but it's really maybe if you're not dealing with banks on a daily basis or, or money transfer companies, the amount of documentation you need to today to submit to them in order to open account, in order to process transfers, it's it's amazing a lot compared to like you know when you do your normal SEPA transfer within EU if I send you money you send me money or you send your friends money um, it goes in seconds banks generally don't ask anything while it's in the EU banking network but the moment the bigger sums come the moment something is involved like crowdfunding um, anything where they might perceive a risk then the, the stack of documentation and the time to review just extends hmm. Do you fear, like, um, since this topic is like now after click cash, now the next one where it seems like income seems a bit like out of control, how the situation, you know, goes? And, you know, when you read, let's say, the narratives of, you know, some investors, you know, fearing there's a kind of a conspiracy in the background or something is, you know, uh, in a very bad shape, ultimately it leaves, you know, I think kind of a, a bad impression on the marketplace, not being able to really force hands and not, you know, making sure that um, lenders are honoring their buyback obligations as they should. Um, do you feel like this kind of leaves a lasting damage for the reputation of, of the marketplace? Uh, honestly, I, I don't think so. I think that, for example, once Vivos finally makes the final payments and all the loans are closed, all the conspiracy theorists will say, oh, well, maybe I was wrong. There was no conspiracy. Uh, so that problem will sort itself out um, in terms of if you're looking at income or if you're looking at the other players, the large players or the market, everyone has experienced cases where it gets difficult for whatever reason to actually get the funds back. So... <clears throat> And in many cases, funds are lost as well, right? Um, as we've seen in the past, I've been party to that that uh, that happening as well on other platforms. So, provided 
we will get Vivo's payment full. That problem is sorted. Money came, nobody lost money. Provided that click cash goes now as has been communicated, nobody lost any money. Um, I think there will be no damage because then we, we still don't have any losses on the platform as such to, to investor principle, which is something else what we can see that every other platform has had pretty much. So when dealing with loans, dealing with big money transfers, regulated entities, uh, I think, and crowdfunding, I think there's always a little chance of loss. But uh, so far, I think we've also managed to avoid, and we don't see, for example, DFI not paying. Um, there's no indication. I think they're really genuinely trying. Um, so yeah, once those those two things are sorted, I don't think there's any reputational damage. Hmm. Well, I think the 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 loss uh, side of funds that that you mentioned, I mean, it's it's a fair argument. But at the same time, you know, maybe certain investors really rely on 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 a good cash flow, and they want to, you know, like sure. have their money back in time. And obviously, since this is a situation being you know pending for several months, you know, it's maybe like okay, maybe income is not as liquid as reliable as I hope to. So from that perspective, you know, despite maybe money coming back at one point, uh, this still is something that is might uh, be impacting the the platform, which kind of leads me to my next question is like, you know, from an incident like this, what, what do you say, you know, what could you actively as a marketplace do and as a platform to prevent situations like this happening again in the future? And is there any learnings that you can also take from the incident now with Vivos? Well, <clears throat> Vivus is a is a is a difficult one in in that sense because because the the extent of 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 the delays has been quite surprising. Um, at the same time, we see that they're operational. Uh, they're trying to pay. Um, the Mexican entities are operational, working. So, how to avoid KYC, AML, other bank-related, transfer-related issues is, is, a, is a very difficult one because it is not in our hands as such. Um, we do a KYC, we do an AML on all of the future and also we've done for the, for the current LOs. So, and this is exactly because we need that information for our own um, you know, transfer companies, our own banks, um, we need to have all the information. Who are the, the ultimate beneficial owners? Where's the money coming from? So we request all of that during the onboarding process. And if they don't clear it, we don't deal with them, right? So in that sense, we do what we can on the KYC side to make sure that everything is right. And, and that should already mitigate a lot of these transfer problems. But when it's outside your control, it's very difficult to improve the process. Now, if we jump on the, what can we do, for example, to avoid click cash type of problems, we can clearly look at smaller books not being so attractive because the legal costs would then eat too deeply into the small loan book. So we can say that rather we would try to aim with all the LOs at a minimum of 2 million euros, for example, as a loan book site, preferably five. Um, and then adjust uh, adjust that uh, the risk in that sense. Hmm. 
Maybe one last question that ties in already towards uh, the, the end of your answer now, but just to wrap it up, um, I was wondering, you know, like I was re-listening to a conversation we had about a year ago when I when I visited your, your office in Tallinn. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it seems to me like you're always very hesitant forcing, let's say, legal action. So you would rather, you know, find a dialogue and, you know, a, a common sense with the lender instead of escalating things. Now, I was wondering, how do you balance this approach, you know, at the expense of investors maybe feeling like income is maybe a bit too soft, uh, things are out of control, and making sure like the promise you make and that you give and the, the quality and the standards you have as a company, that they are still like holding up to investors' expectations while at the same time having this, let's say, very much more softer approach of finding solution with lenders. How do you balance this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the, the the softness is is always perceived, right? Um, because investors obviously are not party to the discussions as well. What what we're having with them, what's the tone of the discussions, and and so forth. Um, I guess it all boils down to really trying to figure out what is the best outcome for the investor, for you know, for everyone to get their money home. Um, legal processes saying pulling the pulling the trigger as such um is always a is is a is a decision you should take seriously i think you know we've we've seen on other platforms as well that if something goes wrong also they are hesitant to pull the, the trigger at the first stages as long as cash is flowing and i think it all comes like with us it all comes from the question that once you pull the trigger and you say okay we go after the loan book there will be a significant delay before you know taking over the loan book transferring it to a backup servicer and then essentially collecting money back from there uh, to the investor in a case where the loan originator would be hostile for example so it's good to note that it is not a money back immediately button anyway if there's a certain process there's certain uh, you know, if you go through the legal route, certain timeline associated with it. So it's really a decision you don't want to take um, easily, personally also, only if we see that the that no money is moving. So if we look at now, DFI started having issues six months ago right away. So it sounds like a long time, but we could have pulled the trigger right away then. Said like, guys, buybacks are overdue. Give us the book. You know, you are done. I'm doubtful if by today, we would have achieved a better result than what we have already. So out of 2 million, 1.5 million coming, have come, actually factual money, and another 500,000 is on the way that they're working on. So it's a question mark, and it's a balancing act. Um, and personally, I'm always in favor of finding a solution where the money comes without legal action, uh, as long as the loan originator or the management is cooperative. Um, and and we don't perceive any foul play, hmm. but it's good to have one one maybe last note where it comes good to have the pledges or have the assignments and have the collateral is that it acts as a very nice leverage in those discussions because they know that you can pull the gun to their head and then pull the trigger if 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 things go south. So it it forces compliance also. Hmm. 
Let's switch to one topic that was requested uh, recently in the Telegram chat. Uh, the auto invest feature at times doesn't seem to work properly. Um, maybe you can talk about what the allocation logic is with the with the auto invest when it is triggered and if it's you know something technically wrong with the AI or is it something more like due to the low supply of loans on the platform? Yeah, it's a good one. We. The, pro the main problem for the auto invest today is there's very little loans on the platform. So we're working with a, you know, a due diligence with ITF at the moment, um, which at early stage now, or, or let's say medium stage where we are, looks very good. Um, we'll probably be able to drop their um, uh, junior share a little bit, increase their advance rate. And then they promised also that they will be able to list more. So hopefully supply gets fixed. But uh, but that's one of the main things at the moment. There's very little supply, and and some of the Telegram community members also uh, they pick up the loans on a manual level. So when they see a batch coming, the information is shared on Telegram, and then people go and pick up the loans manually. Now, um, I did look into the AI logic uh, specifically also just recently, and it's pretty straightforward. So if you have funds on the on the account. If the certain filters are met, then it will invest. But what it does, it does it once an hour. Um, and, and also what it does is the hour depends on when did you activate it. So I guess for a smart investor here, um, so meaning that it's if you put it at 8.30, it runs again in an hour, in an hour, in an hour, in an hour. So I guess in for, for a smart investor, um you could try to go and activate the auto invest more often um probably if you set them set them up um at 8 8:30 depending on what's the middle middle time for the for the one you could maybe play around with it but that's really really that's the main thing it's once an hour um, and that causes probably the thing that if if something if you invest if you put it at eight it will run at nine if eight thirty loans have appeared on the platform then essentially probably possibly all of those loans are gone once the nine o'clock um, hour goes. Hmm. Is it maybe something that because like from investor perspective sounds a bit like of a headache? Uh, is there something that you can adjust from your end to make this run more smoothly and that, you know, every investor has a passive chance of getting a fair share of uh, the newly loans? Well, I guess, the, I guess the other way of doing it would be to run them all at the same time and allocate uh, then equally to all of them. So I guess that's a question to our CTO and, and also to Labrenti in terms of how can we improve it. But at the moment, it is this way. If you have it at 8, if you if you set it up today, 8 in the morning, it will run at 9, 10, 11. If you set it up at 8.30, it will run 8.30, 9.30, 10.30. 30. So, and within these gaps, you could have loans coming in and being already sold out and therefore you will be not catching those loans. Hmm. Um, so we, but auto invest is a, is a thing that probably requires constant uh, tune up 
also depending on how many loans we have on the platform, what's the overall supply, how many investors do you have. So it's definitely one of those things where we need to focus on as well to, to make it run smoother because we see it a lot and, and there's it, there's no denying it. Uh, people feel auto-invest is not working optimally and that's something that should be fixed. Hmm. All right. Thanks a lot for those insights. Uh, yeah, today we kept it a bit more on on the lender issues once again because i think that's ultimately the most pressing thing for many investors to get as much clarity and transparency of uh, what's happening there uh, at the moment so thanks for providing those insights also like clarifying a bit on the auto invest um, feature thanks again for the time kimo for your answers and then we we catch up again uh, next year about the performance All right, thank of you. income we'll do so. thanks a lot